Hey, by the way, I just realized <laughs> yesterday why you and McGregor and I are so much alike. Why are you and McGregor, you and you and McGregor, so much alike? <laughs> because we share the exact same birthday. Do you really? Yes, yeah, same day, same year, even towards the end of the day. October nearly 31st. the same time. Yeah, October? March thirty first. Oh, March thirty first. Sorry, <laughs> I always get you and Halloween mixed up. <laughs> Yeah, my, my my parents were going for Reformation yeah. Day and didn't quite make <laughs> didn't it. Didn't quite make it. <laughs> <laughs> you stopped short on me? Yeah. <laughs> say you, say me. <laughs> <laughs> you always go creepy romantic songs. That's weird. That's all I got. Let's have a different voice. Ronnie, why don't you? Hi, everybody. Mickey Mouse here. Hey everybody, welcome to our podcast, Crazy Pastors. We're so glad you're here. This is going to be an awesome episode. We're excited to have a very cool and special guest, Dana Allen. Dana is the Synod Executive for a new denomination called ECO. And so very excited to hear more about the ECO denomination, about him, and how in the world this thing got started. So here we go. Woo! Okay, well, we are so excited today. We have a special guest, Dana Allen. Dana All-In Allen. All-In. That's right. The Senate Executive oh. for the Eco-Presbyterian Denomination or, or Covenant Order. I, You know, the terminology is, you know, new to me. Dana, on behalf of Ronnie and I, we're so excited to have you on the show. Yes, very excited. Uh, Welcome. Thank you so much. So, so great to be here with all of you. <laughs> First off, I've wanted to have you on this podcast for a super long time. You know, my experience goes back to, I think it was February of this year that I attended the Eco National Gathering, which is your national denominational. Is it okay to say denominational? It is. Okay. Yeah. Your national denominational meeting and everyone in this room, our entire staff, I came back and I was glowing with my experience at the gathering. He couldn't stop talking about it, Dana. Yeah. That's the truth. That's, that's awesome. Even Who though says we that asked about him denominational to? meetings? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, whoever says that. Be <laughs> he was inspired. That's right. That's a rare rarity. I do want to lead off by saying that one of the things I love so much about the National Gathering, I've been to a lot of denominational meetings, various denominations through the years. Amen, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, some of them are very uh, not so hot. Yeah. But some of them, yours is the best that I've ever attended in 22 years. So major kudos to you. One of the things I love most about it, Dana, was that there was a merch table, and on the merch, <laughs> yeah, and on the merch table, I could not prevent myself from buying the eco denomination deck of cards. Oh wow! Uh, I couldn't pass it up. I actually bought one of those, brought it to Ronnie. You remember that, Ronnie? I do. And then, surprise to me was that when we went to the SBC National Convention a couple months ago, yeah, that at their merch table they had a set of dice branded to SBC. I couldn't believe, yeah. It. Yeah, that was amazing. You know, we cleaned up at the poker tables. Uh, <laughs> it was the, the Holy SBC. Rollers group. <laughs> I was going to say, are you even allowed to have a deck of cards? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as they're greeting cards, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that what you tell people? <laughs> yeah. that the, oh, no, those aren't yeah. playing yeah. cards. <laughs> that's the queen of hearts that says, I love you. <laughs> um, no. so, so, Dana, tell us, uh, Eco, what does that, does that stand for something? Ex explain a little bit. Uh, 
Yes, it does not. And I heard your podcast when you were talking about being at our gathering, and thank you for the great um, encouragement for that and loved that you love the gathering, and that's what we want our people to come away for. So our, our background is... You know, eco is Greek word for ekos, household of God, mm. and it was, you know, kind of the idea that we're stronger together. Now, it, it did stand for the Evangelical Covenant Order of Presbyterians, uh, so there okay. was a season where it stood for that. However, there's another group that has the words Evangelical Covenant trademarked together, oh. which the people creating our brand did not know that, and so we had to actually change our name. So we're a covenant order of evangelical Presbyterians, but we still like eco household of God, you know, the synergy yeah. symbiosis together. And, and those still, those three elements are important to us, yeah. the evangelical we're covenantal and we're an ordered way of, of life together. That's cool. Very cool. For our global audience of 20, you know, listeners, I do just want to set this up a little bit because we got so many questions to ask you, Dana. The thing that I love so much about the eco denomination is one, it is theologically conservative. It is very, very well thought out. It has an emphasis on leadership development, which is a passion of mine. But even more than all of that, I mean, I hope all denominations would do that. But the thing that I love about what you guys did I've never been at a denominational meeting where there was so much excitement, that there was so much positive energy. There was genuine momentum I felt as I talked with all the other churches, whether they were pastors or elders that were there. It was such a positive experience. And the content that you guys provided was not brand development. It was educational. And man, it was it was just so encouraging as a Baptist to be able to say that about a Presbyterian denomination. <laughs> kind of a radical idea. So just kudos to you. Eco is kind of, to me, as I look at it and think about it, kind of the pirates of denominations right now. You know, almost <laughs> That's how a, we call ourselves, yeah. <laughs> but you guys are the undenomination, if you will. You know, unfettered on what you were doing and come up with what you're going to do. That's going to be awesome. So take us back, if you would, because I know that a lot of our listeners aren't going to understand just the Presbyterian denomination in general, the the big split that occurred with PCA, PCOSA, and just why did ECO need to exist? Yeah, it's a great, great question. And obviously, I could and can answer that in a two-hour framework, but I will not do that <laughs> summarize. Uh, for, for your audience. Yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize very quickly. For many of us who were evangelical, we were in the Presbyterian Church USA. So that's the, the largest, and probably when most people think of Presbyterian, that's what they think of. Um, there have been splits over the years from the PCUSA and its predecessor denominations, because there was actually a northern and southern version left over from the Civil War. But the PCUSA, you know, existed. There was a break off from the Presbyterian Church in America. So you mentioned that PCA, which that was over women in ministry. There was the Evangelical Presbyterian Church in about 81. And so that broke off for, you know, for similar reasons from us. I think the difference for us is that many of us really did not want to leave. We we wanted to say first of all, hey, how do we reform the denomination? How do we you, you know keep it in its evangelical roots? So a lot of us were involved in the, you know, political system. And then things started to shift where we said, hey, instead of trying to witness to the denomination, how do we just be who we are? 
within the denomination, even though we hold some vastly different opinions on some things? Can we still be who we are and be in the denomination? And then around 2011, there were some changes that occurred in the PCUSA, which really said we can't all get along. We can't agree to disagree anymore on some things. So the way we were examining our elders, the way we were doing certain things really wasn't allowed anymore within the PCUSA. And so we said, okay, if we need to be who we are, we actually need to create a new denomination. And it was with sadness that we ended up feeling like we had to do that. But we also said in the midst of that, that part of the problem was theological in nature, certainly. But part of the problem was also the overfunction on bureaucracy and how hard it was to be able to get things done. And so we really say, how do we, when you say undenomination, we wanted to say, how do we be a denomination that actually functions more like a network? Mm. And how do we take the best things of a network, but also understand there are denominational standards. There are some things that we will need to hold to, adhere to. We will need to function like a denomination. But most of the time, we want to do the things like what you observed at the conference and how do we give value add to our congregations and leaders. That's fascinating. Of course, being Southern Baptist, as Christopher and I are, we're not unfamiliar with controversy and crisis and splitting and forming new groups. So I'm curious, with this move, did you face certain hostilities from the group? I mean, I know that had to be a very difficult decision to make. Did it start with a group of pastors feeling led to do this? How how did that all come about? Yeah, it started with a group of pastors that really went to the former denomination and asked if there was actually some other ways. Could Mm -hmm. we create, so we have a, you know, the the large denomination of the PCUSA, there are regions within that that we said, hey, could we kind of create our own non-geographical region where we could hold to our standards here? So could we be like a denomination within a denomination uh, and still do that? I mean, we tried to put forth a variety of options. And for several reasons, that really didn't work. So this was not, I don't want to be grandiose and compare ourselves to Martin Luther, but you know, Martin Luther really wanted to reform the Catholic Church. And in some ways, that's what we wanted and desired. And then yes, when we pushed out and to start to create that, there's significant challenges because many church properties were held in trust of the denomination and that varied state to state on how states looked at that. And so getting out and making negotiations with your property, those were, you know, significantly varied across the country. Wow. And I've talked with some pastors that have gone through that process with you guys. It was not, one, not easy to do. One, not easy just to come to the decision that, hey, we need to do something different. But gosh, I mean, it was a pretty tense time for churches as the denomination itself sees itself as the landowner. And then churches themselves are saying, we want to do something different. And man, that was just really messy for a long time. Is that is it still that same way for those that want to come join ECO? Yeah, it's, well, and every, so there was 172 regions in the PCUSA. They, we call them presbyteries, groups of churches. So each one had their own processes of how you let a congregation go. And then they sometimes didn't even, you know, they would say things like, hey, if you get 80% of a vote, we'll let you leave for five years of your dues. But then congregations would get to that point, and then the presbyteries would change their minds on how they would want to let them go. They would try to take over buildings and churches, and it was just really ugly. And so some went to court, and there was some favorability in some states with courts over that. Some, you know, some weren't. For congregations that are now trying to come in, again, it can be 
There's a lot of factors. If you're upside down on your mortgage on your property, actually the former denomination wants to get rid of you because they don't want that property on their books. If you have a lot of assets, then they're going to be more likely to want to keep you. So um, there's just a lot that goes into those factors. Wow, there really are. It's a lot of things to think through. And I appreciate your focus on reform originally. I mean, that's my heart too, to try to reform whatever group I'm a part of. But was there something that just kind of broke the camel's back? Was there a straw that's like, okay, this is evident that we are not going to be able to work together? Was it one thing or just kind of a series of things? How did you come to that conclusion? Yeah, it was a series of things. And for each church, there were different ways it was lived out. And, you know, I, and I recognize, obviously, we're recording this. So I want to be, you know, do this with such integrity that if anybody from that denomination ever listens to it, yeah, that, sure. you know, they can fact check and say it was, you know, say it was true. But we were really told, for example, there was ordination standards that changed that said, it used to say that in order to be an officer or you know a pastor or an elder, that you had to be in chastity within singleness or infidelity in marriage between a man and a woman. Yeah. And those were the standards. Those standards got removed, which allowed you know for other people to be ordained. But what we said is, well, we're still going to hold to those standards for our elders. Yeah. And we're still going to have that. We're still going to require some you know, agreement to statement on the infallibility of scripture. And I, you know, I realize infallibility and inerrancy, but, but yeah. some statement there. And the denomination said to us, you know, you cannot have higher standards than what are standards within the denomination. So if the denomination does not require fidelity in marriage and chastity and singleness, neither can you. Wow. And we had a missionary that was going to be from our church that was going to go to the Evangelical Theological Seminary in Cairo as a New Testament professor. He got his PhD in Oxford from early Egyptian manuscripts, which I also have one of those PhDs. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't. Um, and, Sounds easy. Um, and he was, he was told, hey, because you're now representative of the denomination, you have to publicly affirm what the denomination affirms in terms of sexual practice or philosophy of scripture that we have, that you have that as well. And so... He said, wow. you know, no, I can't do that. So for us, we're like, hey, if we can't, here's one of our people that was going to be a missionary and doing this and yeah. couldn't, it's just, you know, enough is enough. Yeah. For yeah. us as Baptists, that's such a foreign concept, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, one, we are in a denomination, but we are also vehemently independent and as an autonomous, autonomous as local denominations. Yeah. Now we are congregational, yet we own all of our own assets. The church ultimately decides what the church is going to do who the church is going to hire, what we're going to believe, what our statements of faith are going to be. So to have someone else, even at the SBC, there may be guidelines, there may be things that are suggested, but it's really ultimately up to the local church to determine, are we doing that or not? Yeah, that's a major difference, yeah. right? In, and in and I would say, just to t piggyback on that, that's what's interesting about Presbyterian. We're not hierarchical. We don't have, you know, people when I go preach at a church go, oh, it's the Pope of our denomination. <laughs> no <laughs> bishops. <laughs> No bishops, no, yeah. you know, no individual authorities that way. And we're not congregational. So if a congregation wants to call a pastor, we have to make sure they're in adherence with our essential tenets, which, yeah. you know, are reformed and they're, you know, they have some breadth within them, but they're also tighter than what other denominations, you know, might have. So okay, so or, did a, I hear you say the local yeah. church decides they want to hire a pastor and then you as the covenant order are going to vet the pastor to meet the standards? Yes, the, they're local. So we have 22 regions. And um, when if they call someone from a different denomination, um, that person has to say, do you fit with us enough? So there's 
part of that because that person actually becomes a member of the denomination and has voting rights and so forth. So they need to oh, have wow. okay. adherence to our polity and theology. So it's kind of in between. It's not hierarchical yeah. and it's not independent. It's what we call connectional. Well, I don't want to overly simplify the eco-covenant order. But again, as a <laughs> these guys laugh at me when I use the word neophyte. But my outside looking in is eco is distinctives are that uh, one, you're egalitarian, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to use big words. Yeah. You're... <laughs> You're, Explain for the elementary students watching. Uh, egalitarian in that men and women are equal and can serve in all the same roles in church leadership, right? So you've got— Great. A plus. Mm-hmm. You, you've got that. You've also got the right of the local church to own their property, which is mm-hmm. still fairly unique within the Presbyterian world. That goes to other denominations as well. You Use that phrase. What was that phrase? The property is held in trust— that's yeah. That's the way that the PCUSA they viewed it as held in trust. Okay. Well, and I think there's others. I know there's Methodist churches uh, yep. that do the same, and Catholic churches uh, going to do the same. That so, but yeah, Anglican churches had big issues when they formed. Yep. Okay. And then as far as distinctives from us, of course, egalitarian is a big issue. We are probably more on the complementarian side, but somewhere mixed through that whole process, and then. You've also got one of the things Baptists love to tease Presbyterians about is paedo-baptism. Yep. Right? So, Ronnie, how do you feel about that? Let's get two pastors. (laughs) You know, both Dana and Ronnie have served as lead pastors of churches, many of them. So, go. Yeah. What was your question again? (laughs) I was watching a TikTok. Paedo-baptism. You're watching a TikTok. What a goofball. Well, it's a good thing we keep this podcast light and don't, yeah. Um, oh, but, these are big topics. Yeah, oh, I think sorry. so. Sorry. So, but I am curious. So, a current Presbyterian church decides they want to join Eco. How is that process? Do they have to cut ties? Have to be accepted, vetted as uh, as you talk about pastors being vetted? Yeah, yeah. We take we we do we go through a vetting process for churches, and partially we want to make sure. Quite frankly, they just don't want a more conservative denomination in which to die. Um, You know, if if congregations really, if they want to just stay the same and they want to be functionally independent, then we're not really a good place for them. We, you know, we say to churches, we are part of a covenanted order. We need each other. And we, you know, the churches, as they go through challenges and opportunities, we we help walk with each other. We're stronger together than independent. So we want to make sure that they have that spirit, that they have that understanding coming in as well as, of course, adhering to our theology. Yeah. So how's ECO doing just numbers-wise? I mean, I, I look at, I can't see the growth numbers. I looked at declination numbers of other denominations, which is still significant. How's ECO doing? Yeah. Well, you know, we've, we've been doing... Um, you know, fairly well, but we'd say, hey, we're not hitting it out of the park. I don't know if you saw my my address at the national gathering, if you were there as a I part did. of that. Yeah. And so what we had found now, you know, pre-COVID, and I, I think even when we say how we're doing, there's great questions we're trying to encourage our congregations right now is to say, what does that even mean? What is the scorecard, the scoreboard that we'd even look at in right. terms of uh, to say how we are doing? But um, by and large, when churches would come in, they would lose people, you know, who disagreed. It would be hard to keep guests who are coming because they don't want to go to churches that are in conflict. Um, but what we had seen is that after about two, two and a half, three years, 
that our churches were growing slowly, maybe by 2% in average worship attendance, which is, you know, not great. So that's what I tried to, we tried to tell people that just changing denominational jerseys was not the answer. (laughs) Right. That if you, yeah, if you think just putting on the eco logo is going to make you, even though we have a merch table, uh, if (laughs) that that was going to all of a sudden make your church flourish, you're sadly mistaken. By the way, you're the first denominational leader I've ever heard talk about leading and trailing indicators. So mm-hmm. well done. I really appreciate that. Now you had uh, back in February, I think the number was like 405, 420 churches, something mm-hmm. like that in there. Are you still seeing a trend of churches wanting to join in the eco movement? We are. Yeah. It's and, and coming from some different places as well. So sometimes... Any Baptist churches uh, yet? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. But some non-denominational that, you know, may have, you know, Baptist leaning yeah. in, you know, in some of that way or, or have had that. Um, but more so even from the independent side of saying, we actually see the need for accountability within a denomination and we don't, you know, we don't focus on that, but we do have it. And as I would say that's, I always hate to say this as a advantage of a denomination, but we've seen so many churches, right. That have an issue with a senior leader and the whole thing just implodes and in in Presbyterian polity, I think there's some great advantage that while it's challenging when that happens to have that covenant daughter of that denomination and it takes a hit, I've seen churches go through challenges but then come back stronger and not just totally implode as a result of that. So um, so we're, we're seeing people come in from independent. We're seeing people come in from some other denominations that are also reformed that that say, hey, we like what you're up to. We like your ethos. We like your spirit. We think that this is the right denominational home for us. Wow. Well, kudos to you, man. I mean, I, I can't imagine all that you went through to make this step, but based on your convictions and, and others like you, what a huge movement. I mean, it just uh, it's, it's impressive how you've done it. And I know you've got the, the battle scars to show uh, your efforts. I just met you, but I feel very proud of you and, and what you and I mean, your group have done. So. Man, I can't imagine it, Ronnie. I, mean, I, can't. I really can't. It blows my mind. You know, the idea of being villainized because I read some of the early documents that were circulating when ECO was first coming out. Many of your clarification of facts that you've had to make to set the record straight. And I mean, that had to be just a terrifying time outside of, you know, God's favor, God's grace. But man, most leaders are simply never going to want to walk down that road that you guys walked down. I know you weren't alone, but you led the charge in many ways. Yeah. Well, yeah, we talk a lot of times on this podcast that Sometimes Christians are vicious, you know, mm-hmm. just when uh, they disagree, it can it can get really rough even in the church world. So, man. Well, and like even things, you and I have talked about this recently, Ronnie, that, uh, you know, we have the passage of Scripture that Christians should not bring lawsuits against each other. Yeah. You know, we should try to mediate together through the elder process or through wise counsel. Yet, man, there were a lot of lawsuits at the beginning of all this. True or not true, Dana? No, there was. And part of it is I would say we had to really wrestle with that and churches that would do that. But some churches honestly had no other option and had to do it for protection because people were coming in um, from the denomination and changing the locks and putting eviction notices. And so you had to protect yourself through the court. So I would say, yes, there's lots of things there, but if you have to protect what you've been stewarded to shepherd in a God-honoring biblical way, then I would say how sad it is that that had to happen. Yeah, yeah had and, to do that. Right. And yeah. so now, Eco, 
at least again from an outsider looking in, has some of the largest, most significant Presbyterian, conservative Presbyterian churches in the country that are in the eco movement. Is that true or just my perception? Yeah. No, we do. We tend to we do tend to steer on the larger we we've got the whole gamut. I mean, we've right. got a church of right. twelve and then churches of several thousand, but our average church size is significantly larger than at least, you know, where the denomination we come from has been. Well, and, and we have a very strong Presbyterian church here in our community. We do. And a close relationship with them, our two churches, and good friends with the pastor and executive pastor. And so, you know, have walked with them to some minimum degree, the struggle that they've been through and with the denominational issues. And so that's heartbreaking to see that. But so if, and I know you're not selling or marketing right now, but if, if there was a pastor, a Presbyterian pastor, kind of struggling with this, uh, what advice would you give that pastor or board to consider? And if this, should we be a part of ECO or not? Yeah, I say it's all about the mission of your church. And we, you know, I have told churches, I, I don't think you're a good fit for us. Either there's not enough connection theologically, there's there's too much of a split, or, yeah. or actually the, you know, the cure is worse than the disease. It will cost you more to make that split in some parts mm-hmm. in the country where there are, um, where lawsuits, you know, where it's where it's yeah. not favorable and the press is favorable. Hey, that's that's going to be it's going to be too challenging. What's the best thing for your mission? That's what yeah. I always want to know. What is God calling you to do, and with whom is it best for you to do that with? Yeah. And we have some churches that aren't officially with us because of those things, but people that come to our gatherings, that people that get involved in our trainings, yeah. and yeah. great, we want to we want to help in that way. Plus, I love the fact that, again, I think from a resource standpoint, being a network of churches and feel that you've got excellent family ministry training. I love what you guys are doing through Alpha. You do leadership training. I I looked through a fair amount of your leadership materials, and it's not just for pastors, but for lay leaders and just general congregational workers. I mean, it's just, it's impressive. It's very, very well thought out. It's very precise. There's clear direction. And if, if I were to say an encouraging, I don't know if it comes across as an encouraging statement to the SBC folks, is that when we get together and we talk about our denominational stuff, man, wouldn't it be great if we talked about the future, if we talked (laughs) about vision, if we talked about clear and precise pathways of how to get to where we feel God leading us to go, instead of it's... Butterflies. Yeah. I mean, it's just just different. And that's what I love about what you guys did at the Eco Gathering. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I would just add to that. I mean, part of our connection with the National Association, I appreciate the the credit that you all are giving us. I don't know how much of it is deserved, but the National Association of Evangelicals with whom we are part of and there, you know, Walter Kim spoke at our gathering. Those gatherings, I think, you know, that most of the denominations that are involved in that are really saying, how can we learn from each other? Um, How do we navigate just a drastically changing world uh, together? How do we be evangelical in the way that we're going to, we want to influence culture. We don't want to capitulate to it, but nor do we want to withdraw and, you know, try to make an enemy of it. Yeah. And and that's, I think, what reform people have done well I, uh, yeah. throughout history. Well, hey, let me ask you this. I know you have an MS in science. You've got your uh, two degrees from Fuller. I mean, you're full on Fuller, all in, right? <laughs> and then probably the most intriguing of all is that when you were in high school, that you were president of the chess club. Math club. Oh, math club. Math club. Math club. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Wow. Close. Swing. <laughs> yeah, uh, big, uh, swing uh, I got a swing and a miss <laughs> in the room here. Hey, 
You know what? For people who weren't president of the math club or chat, I can see how it all seems the same. And my kids now go to the same high school that I went to. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, so they see my big picture on the wall. Of, yes. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. I don't yes. have a big picture on the wall. Mr. President. Uh, yes. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, it is, uh, you know, it's not very often, I don't think, that people are going to start a denomination. I mean, it's just... It's not really an everyday thing. Who wants I'm to not, do that in the sure. first place, right? Really. And they didn't teach me that in seminary. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, there, there's a lot t- seminary didn't teach. There's no class for uh, that. Yeah, that's why we're creating our new seminary. And that's the that's the thing I'm probably most excited about in the future. But yeah, oh, wow. that's... Mm-hmm. Awesome. So right now you have ordination process, right? For people coming in to become pastor level, right? They go through your ordination. And now you have some semblance of seminary already, right? Well, yeah. So we we did. We had some partnership, but we ha- we have now a group of Flourish Institute of Theology, which is our new master's degree, MDiv, and we're working through the accreditation process. We're working with a consultant who wrote a book called Transforming Theological Education. Um, his name is Perry Shaw. And I'm just, I am so excited for this because so often, uh, and I loved my seminary. I mean, you said I'm all in Fuller. I love Fuller. I love, and and it's great. We encourage people, you know, to go there, but also we're doing it for about, a, you know, for less than a third of the cost. Wow. Um, right. And we're also wow. deeply integrating it into the life of the church. We're so often you go, oh, you do one or two kind of internships over here and yeah. a person sends back a paper. We, in the 21st century ministry, we have to be able to train people cheaper better for for ministry how are we ever going to get plant in immigrant communities and get the more people that need to be co-vocational and bivocational Mm -hmm. uh and you know planting looks so much different in other parts of the country and so i'm I'm really excited i think this is going to actually focus our leadership lay and vocational in some phenomenal ways wow so what led to the decision Hey, let's start a new denomination. And while we're at it, let's start a new seminary. <laughs> let's, right. let's pile some more on our like plate. That sounds like a glutton for punishment. <laughs> it really you does. have a problem, Dana. I, I do. I do. I, yeah, I have a, I have a thrill, thrill-seeking yeah. Um, yeah, uh, thing. Well, you know, and I, you, you, heard my, you heard my joke at the National Gathering where I said, when people used to ask, are we going to start a seminary? And I said, yeah, right after we create our own hymnal. Yeah. Right? It's like, <laughs> uh, we don't need to do that. You know, there's some plenty of seminaries and, and ones that are going through right, tremendous challenges. You yes. know, I mean, we're just, you know, seeing some things and financially. So why, so why would we ever want to get into that world? And really because... We value education and formation. We, we don't just want to say that that's Good. not important and we don't need it. We, we value that formation. We value it so much that we think it just, it, it needs to be better and it needs to be cheaper. And so there's some great ways, you know, and schools are having to, having to say, well, how do we train people for, you know, who just go to seminary to want to find themselves, to want to do this, this. We're just, we're saying we are training lay and vocational people for 21st century ministry. And it's deeply embedded within the church. And we just said, we, we have to do it. And we didn't want to be like, oh, well, we can do it better and, you know, all of that. But the reality is, is we could not be dependent on that type of a degree yeah. if we were ever going to get the diversity and growth that we need. Yeah. Any of us, uh, you know, Ronnie and I both, you, I know, Dana, what little I know of you that you're the same. I mean, you've proved it, that uh, we are not management type leaders. We are growth development. There's got to be a lot of things happening and popping around us to maintain excitement and energy levels. And to say that look, we wanted to make a better seminary, which of course on the other side of that says the other seminaries aren't doing what they need to do or what we think they should do to meet this current need. 
But at the same time, Ronnie and I have talked through the exact same thing. When we look at international work in particular, the idea of taking someone and sending them for five years to seminary at exceptional cost is nearly impossible to make happen. And so one of the things that I so deeply respect about the way you think, the way that the eco-denomination is moving, is that you have an unencumbered mind on what is possible and how can – if we were to tear something apart and build it from scratch to meet the current needs better, how would we do it differently? And because you are new and because you are so equipped, you are able to do things that other denominations simply just have too much stuff going on. Yeah. And, and you are right. I mean, we we talk about how do we keep innovation going, not just for the sake of innovation and change, but how do we, you know, I mean, Google and how often do you get updates for your phone and or brand new softwares or, or new products. And so, again, we don't want to not saying that we're the Google of denominations, although that would be a cool, um, <laughs> you know, kind of uh, a tagline, but but really is to say. Our goal is flourishing churches. Our goal is leaders who can lead those churches. So we always have to be evaluating, refining, developing, and tearing apart. And I, I hope we keep that spirit even beyond whatever my tenure was would be. Well, man, I'm a huge fan, and uh, kudos to you. I think that Eco has got a tremendous leadership group and, and an incredible direction to go in. Yeah. So, man, just know you got some Baptists over here that are cheering for you. Yeah. And, you know, if there's ever something that uh, you need Baptist input on, just let us know. Yeah. Is there I, a... You know, I love that. I love it. Uh, I love that. And I love getting others' opinions on things and input. And if you ever want to use a little less water and a little earlier, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> and you can come on over. Yeah. And we do do, we do, we do adult baptisms. That's so good. Yeah. I got to remember that. Yeah. Little yeah. water, little water. I, we do adult baptisms too. I do want to. Uh, hey, that's yeah. the thing. You know, the, the yeah. church down the road that we partner with, and that it's the Presbyterian Church in our local area, and they're a larger church in the Cumberland Presbytery, and we just dovetail really, really well with them on philosophy of ministry in particular. So when we want to do something major to the community for the community, they're so they just come right in. There's our, our staffs are very symbiotic in how we get work done. And so it's just a beautiful thing. In their remodel, it's the first Presbyterian church I've ever seen that has a baptismal font in the lobby of the church. Yeah. I thought, nice. wow, no wonder our members are going there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. that's great. And I lo- and I think, you know, even some of those things, I, I don't want to say they're unimportant, but in a post-Christian 21st century culture, those things are so minor in the grand scheme of things. And yeah. I just want... We just, you know, you heard in my talk, I just, we, we need another great awakening in this country and no one denomination group or church is going to have the monopoly on that. Yeah. Well, they also baptize animals over there. So, and, oh, you know, come on. I oh. don't know. That, oh. That's uncorroborated rumor. <laughs> just, right just teasing. Just teasing. Hey. Pastor Rick. Hey, so is there a Presbyterian cheer that we could chant through our halls as we walk around? Is there something we could do? That yeah. Do you got a jingle okay. yet? Yeah. You got a little. We got a jingle? No, that's a good idea. That's Slogan. a good idea. I want to talk to our yeah. communication people about that. Do yeah, we need a jingle? <laughs> you do need to go yeah. in. And, yeah, right? yeah. Well, now I've got. Now you got my work cut out me for, for the rest of this afternoon. Yeah, there you oh, go. Bye, One more That's thing to do. <laughs> hey, yeah, Dana. Right? Seriously, we are we're we're huge fans. Thanks for being on the Crazy Pastor yes, podcast. It's great, and thank you for all your work that you're doing to develop leaders throughout the entire yes. denomination. And welcome to our new Presbyterian listeners. We're glad yes. to have you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eco listeners. Way to That's go. That's right. Eco yes. 
But hey, Dana, I really appreciate you being on. Yeah, truly. thanks, man. Great to Thank meet you. you. Thank you so much. So great to be on. Thank you for your your work and uh, appreciate all you do too. Thank yeah. you, sir. All right, we'll see you hopefully next time. Peace out. At Huntington Beach or Newport Beach. Yeah. Hey, yeah, we'll be there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see you, Dana. Bye.